What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstory pregnancy and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at Birth Story Podcast. Hi, today I have Emily and Carrie with me that are here to talk about their very exciting documentary, These Are My Hours. 
So welcome, you guys. Hi, thank Hi. you. Thank you for having us. I am so excited to be with you. And I, Emily, I'm not even really sure how we got connected, but I remember meeting you in person at a childbirth education series with Dr. Sarah Buckley. She's the awesome. fabulous. The fabulous. She's also <laughs> going to be on the podcast Amazing. Um, in a couple of weeks talking about the physiology of birth. Um, but we did get a chance to meet at that continuing education program. And I've since then watched your video, your documentary twice, bawled my eyes out. <laughs> so I cannot wait to share the empowerment of this documentary with all of our listeners and hope that everyone will subscribe to it. So we have so much to unpack. Let's start with, I was hoping that you might share with the listeners the very beginning of your documentary, because it is, I mean, you had me from the moment it started and you're going to have this whole audience. So why don't you walk us through like kind of what that platform is and that very beginning of your documentary? Okay. So the very first line in the film is as follows. Here's the story I was told. A woman in labor is a vessel for a baby, and she needs a room full of help to be that vessel. Here's the story I'm telling. And that's shown over black. And the intent of starting the film that way is to really illustrate the fact that when I was pregnant with my first baby, the message that I got kind of from culture was that my rights as a person were changed, that I was existing only as a literal vessel to bring forth this baby. And then I didn't have within myself the means and the power to bring forth the child on my own, that I literally needed a room full of help to get there. And I wanted to tell a completely different story because my journey has proved to me that it was wrong what I was told. And let's take a minute and just tell everyone behind your voice in this documentary who you are. <laughs> the woman behind the voice. <laughs> I'm Emily Graham. I am a birth worker, a mother, an educator, a fiery little lady who just had my life changed through the experience of giving birth to my first child and kind of was put on a path of a feminist birth activism and midwifery studies. And that's what I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life doing. And so I was just beyond excited to be able to do like a legit documentary about autonomous birth. Oh yeah. And it's legit. It's good. <laughs> so legit. It's good. So Carrie, tell us about you. I became a midwife in uh, between 2008 and 2010, and I've, you know, worked all around avenues of birth and lactation, you know, doula work or midwifery or classes or lactation stuff. And, you know, the documentary was a chance to incorporate the other aspects of my life not related to healthcare, which are primarily artistic, and to use that as an educational medium. We've taken the film in the last year around to academic settings and community settings all around the country, spoken to young people not yet having babies, spoken to people with challenging geographic or demographic situations and formed our own trauma-informed childbirth education model as a result and gotten to spread the conversation about not just home birth, it's much larger than that. It's about physiology in general, what is possible, about autonomy, about the family and community, about what the media shows us about physiologic events and how that translates into our beliefs about our bodies and stories. And it's just really been an incredible marriage of all of my life's passions to yeah. work with the film. Yeah. So, and I'm just going to be transparent because I'm sitting over here listening and learning and interviewing and hoping to share with my audience. But I very much am a product of all of the messages of the media, down to even the way that I practice in my doula business. And so watching the documentary was very eye-opening, and I hope to just continue to learn more from you guys today about empowering women to be able to birth undisturbed, 
you know, without, like you said, without being in a room full of people trying to help you do what your body was born to do. So I thank you guys so much both um, for being here. Now, Carrie, you mentioned something that just makes me have a, a deeper question for you on your childbirth education series. And I was wondering how you are defining trauma. Trauma is the experience basically of severe psychological distress. Typically, our goal is to um, speak to all systems and individuals to sensitize them to an individual experience. Okay. Basically, yeah. that you never know what a person may be bringing. I've, I've, there's just no guarantee of any kind. And so we all have to behave with respect and dignity and approach sensitively a person's body. You know, there is a... Yeah, that's a that's a really good answer. And it's different than I was even thinking. So it broadens the scope of what was on my mind. And what was I mean, my there's religious trauma, there's it's not just right. sexual yeah. trauma, it's authority trauma. It's, you know, people may have had parents or other caregivers or authoritarians or teachers or whoever. And then you're between their legs talking hatefully to them. Like it just, everybody needs to take a step back in all medical and all settings actually, and become more sensitized to how we speak and behave, but especially in life altering experience when you're near yeah. birth or death or, you know, extreme emotion, there just needs to be a, a pause. Yeah. Another thing that comes to mind is like the structural racism that yes. we have yes. in our medical care today too. So I'm really excited to hear that you guys are building a childbirth education series that's going to address all of that work. It's ringing a bell. There was uh, an episode on the podcast earlier with the CEO of Can Do Kiddo, a really cool woman that does occupational therapy. And the week before she gave birth, her father passed away abruptly. And we did a lot of unpacking on how that birth experience for her ended up being a little bit dark and a little bit traumatic because she wasn't able to clear her grief, you know, before she went into, you know, spontaneous labor. So trauma is extremely complex, extremely, and it's defined so differently by every individual and it can be triggered by so many different things. So just informing every one of the nuances around it you know, both the consumer and providers, there's a lot of emphasis put towards providers to become trauma-informed. Yeah. But consumers being aware that there could be these situations that, you know, like you're saying from the beginning, 92% yeah. of people, and even people in the other 8%, they may be bringing in things or the practitioner, no matter where they are, what setting they're in, can have their own baggage to to unpack also. Yeah. I've been doing birth work for 15 years and I, I don't think I've attended a birth yet where we didn't have to at least emotionally unpack some things before they were able to be prepared for their birth. And often I end up sending my clients out to do a lot of like therapy just in preparation. So I'm excited to see where you guys take this and I'm going to follow your journey and before we dig in a little bit more to the documentary, where does everyone listening find you and find the film, These Are My Hours? So the film you can find on social media and our handle is These Are My Hours everywhere. Very simple. Thesearemyhours.com is our website. You can purchase a screening license there, a DVD, a digital copy. You can rent the film. It's all linked from our website. And our personal website is emilyandcary.com, E-M-I-L-Y-A-N-D-C-A-R-E-Y. Okay. I will chime in and say, well done on your website because it's so easy to purchase. I mean, it took like maybe less than two minutes to like click the link, purchase, and then all, I was watching it on my phone. So it was really That's easy. Because That's because Emily's skill of mine. amazing yeah. on all computer skills. <laughs> so anyone listening that takes two minutes, it's really easy. <laughs> and the film is about 52 minutes long. Yep. And so it's well worth an hour of your day and you're going to watch it, want to watch it over and over and over again. So let's kind of dig into your birth story. This film is a testament and a, a documentary of you giving birth to your fourth child. Yes. And so 
before we get to the actual film, tell me about just really briefly your first three births. Yeah, so I could probably tell a very similar story for all of my births. I'm a bit unusual in that I have never had a trauma in my births. I chose a home birth midwife for my first pregnancy um, after learning about home birth before I was ever planning to get pregnant and had made the decision that I was going to have a home birth back then. So it was simple for me. And my birth was like the dream first birth. I was in labor for six hours. The midwife was at my house for two hours. It was like four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. It was like the highlight of my life. And I climbed up on every rooftop I could find and proselytized to people about how amazing home birth is. Um, and my second birth was so fast that I learned that I should probably not be on a soapbox because maybe everyone wouldn't want to experience something that was that intense. So I learned my lesson just to, you know, keep my wisdom to myself and give it to people when they asked <laughs> instead of forcing it on them. So my second was born at home. His labor was 90 minutes long. And then my third was born with Carrie at home. That was maybe two hours, totally straightforward. And so, you know, I kind of had trust in my body and kind of joyful births, which was a gift for my mother who had simple pregnancies and births and always passed along the message that pregnancy and birth were beautiful, amazing, joyful experiences. So I didn't, I didn't bring fear with me from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel really fortunate about now working in this field, knowing how many people do bring fear with them. Yeah. Let's just, let's go with that for a little bit too, because as a doula, I'm more on the emotional and physical support rather than like on the medical side. And as an emotional and physical support person, my clients typically hire me very early, maybe, you know, when they're eight or nine weeks along. And so I'm able to kind of journey with them throughout their entire pregnancy. And all of my clients are usually birthing in the hospital, but the majority of the work that I do throughout the the pregnancy is having to undo the messages that they're getting from their healthcare provider, telling them that their baby is in danger, that they are doing something wrong if they don't get, you know, induced at 39 weeks, if they have any, you know, any little thing. It's like their whole pregnancy, every visit is just kind of a fear-based visit rather than an empowering visit. And so I wanted you to share with me, since we're talking about the documentary and that fourth baby, what it's like to be preparing for a home birth throughout your pregnancy and how those visits, what that looks like as your belly is growing and your baby is growing. So not just the birthing part, but to get to that birthing part in that good place, I imagine that there are many steps with your midwife that help to empower you along the way so that when the day of labor arrives, it sounds like you were prepared, you were confident, and that you weren't afraid of the process, that you knew you were having a healthy baby. Well, with my first and third pregnancies, I had a new midwife to me. And so I had a lot of official prenatal care with those pregnancies. And both times, although one of them was a CNM doing home birth and one was a CPM doing home birth. And so outwardly, you'd think their practices would be very different. But really, most of the time was spent just getting to know each other. I think both of the midwives that I saw we had two-hour appointments, mm -hmm. either in their small wow. office. Or that was at, always my standard, definitely. Or at my house, mostly. Um, and we just talked about stuff, about everything, you know, about my relationship and about my food, my diet, about how I was feeling, about my dreams, about my sleep, about my, like, my dreams for the birth, uh, about how my husband was doing, and then also just the state of the world, like whatever comes up, like right. Pregnant people are always very open and vulnerable to what's going on in the world around them. And so 
Which is where the definition of trauma gets tricky, right? Like when right. something that's going on in the news right now is happening, I think of every woman getting ready to have her baby and what her nervous system is going through, even though it's not directly occurring to her body, her person. They're very open, very sensitive. Yeah. So they end up really being more like a counselor who then at the end of that time together, instead of me just leaving, they kind of check my vital signs and rest assured that all is well. And it almost always is. I mean, most people who are informed in planning home births are healthy people, you know, and they don't have very many pre-existing health concerns. And so largely everything's normal. And it always was the case for me. And sometimes I would learn things about myself, uh, like I have an overactive insulin response. And so I tend to get hypoglycemic. And so I learned that through the my prenatal care and take better care of myself through my diet now. And then, so with my second and fourth pregnancies, I was seeing the same midwife I had seen for the birth before that. And largely I had free, what's called a free pregnancy, meaning I gave myself prenatal care largely. I, you know, checked my own blood pressure and talked to my baby and ate a lot of good food and saw them to talk when we did. You know, we didn't have any official dates. We would, I was working with both of them during those times. So we were seeing each other for work and we would spend some time talking about me and how I was doing, um, which just felt like what I wanted. Yeah. You know, the support that I wanted. Yeah. Sounds like making a new friend. Yeah. You know? Yes. So what I'm well, hearing. it's a very intimate thing to have someone at your birth. And that intimacy and trust takes some time and energy to develop, and then it actually goes better. Yeah. And this is a fear and a concern for many women that are delivering in a hospital, because the standard of care is that you would deliver with a large practice, and they even make you rotate providers throughout your pregnancy. So many moms that come to me say, I'm hiring a doula because... I just want con- like continuity, continuity of yeah. care. Yeah. I want to know that at least you and my partner are going to be there. I have two people I can rely on since I don't know who the nurse will be mm-hmm. or right. as they mm-hmm. change shifts uh, or leave me. I think that's also something that I've noticed that really deeply affects uh, a woman in labor at the hospital is that she'll build a relationship with her bedside nurse and then they leave her. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the process starts all over again. So I just love hearing you talk about a two hour prenatal appointment and building a relationship. Like, of course, that would help, um, you know, eliminate any fears and trauma and make you feel heard and listened right. to. Right. Um, I remember. And there's a lot to hear. People's yeah. sexual experiences or beliefs on what this baby brings into the new family, what their fears are about finances or the future, or, you know, they don't have to go into everything, everyone, but if something is an impediment, Mm -hmm. it may come up in labor, even if just in the mind, it may come up in the body in some way. And if there's not a a comfort of dialogue, you know, to say these things have come up for me, then you have an awkward space in labor. Yeah. I know that I could not have had a birth that would have felt satisfying to me in a hospital setting. I think I would have had a, like a quote, fine birth because they were fast. Um, there wouldn't have been a lot of time for people messing with me or doing interventions on me, but I was very specific about what I wanted. And if you watch the film, you will see that. And it's really not common. What I want is to not be touched or talked to almost ever. And like, I can't imagine going into a hospital room with people I have never met and them assuming that's what I wanted or being okay with not speaking or not touching me, never giving me a vaginal exam, maybe never listening to the baby's heart tones because it bothered me. I just, I would have spent a lot of time fighting about what I didn't want. And maybe my birth would have been long or maybe it would have been challenging in some other way because I would have been pulled out of of the deep, deep brainwave state that I was in. 
Yeah. Now I have a question about that. So as you watch the film, These Are My Hours, and you see the birth of your daughter, Ramona, what you speak about is the fact that primarily this film just pictures you laboring. Now your midwife is there and your husband is there and your mom is there, but they are all distant from you close enough that they're right there if you need them, but they have given you all of the power to believe in you, to give you space, to keep you really unobserved also and undisturbed. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> right? Unobserved. Except for you have a, a film, a camera on you. There are 13 people. <laughs> and three cameras in the ceiling three and people cameras. wearing cameras and driving cameras. Oh and, this but is... ironically, I felt completely unobserved. Yes. And you know, but this, it's so funny for you to say that because when you watch the film, I had, I would have no, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? That there's a film crew, but as you watch it, it's so, the film is, un, it makes it appear as if you are completely unobserved and mm-hmm. undisturbed. Because so well done. <laughs> so well done. Whatever oh, they were, you, whatever they were you amazing. Ex- yeah. Whatever you were experiencing, I think was perfectly captured because I was just emotional the, you know, the entire time watching the strength, the strength of you saying, I can do this. And I wanted to interject your husband. There, this film is so powerful. I'm watching your husband sit in a chair as the baby's birthing and he lets you have sacred time alone with your baby while he's pouring tears. Yeah, just, you can hear him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just pouring tears. Weeping. But he doesn't race to you. He doesn't mm-hmm. race to your side. He allows you to almost, it was like you went into like a prayer position over your baby, having this moment of, of and you just said, we, you said over and over again, we did this, meaning you and your baby is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, like we did this. And there was this long period of time where your midwife and your husband and your mom not only let you birth, but you're still in labor because your placenta, you know, you haven't even entered the third stage of labor yet. And your support team just allowed you to do what you were born to do. And so your husband is sitting in the chair and just allowing you that sacred time. And you said, that's a love that you don't often hear about when your husband trusts in you during your labor. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was the most well said line of the documentary is you believing in yourself, but also your midwife allowing you that space and especially your partner, you know, allowing you to, when you watch the movie, you will see Emily making her primal sounds, experiencing the sensations of labor that always aren't so comfortable and no one in the room panicking or trying to save you. Right. Like I took away from this film, like you don't need to be saved. You just need to have everyone letting you do your thing. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. 
Now let's get back to this amazing episode. So I want to know what was your thing? Like, what were you doing? I, in the film, you hear you coaching yourself, but I was wondering if you had any kind of like hypnoanesthesia that you did for yourself (laughs) or, you know, a mantra. I want to know like what was going on in Emily's mind. Yeah. So my birth preparation always is to just get really used to being in an altered state of consciousness. And pregnancy does that to you naturally. I mean, we fight it. We call it mommy brain and belittle it, but really it's a chance for you to constantly be practicing how to get into meditative mind, to turn off the you, the ego that thinks it's you. Like, it's funny you say I'm coaching myself because there was like a part of me that isn't like me, the person living in this body, you know, 38 years old, or, you know, that me is the person that I'm coaching. But the person that's coaching that is like my essence, my intuitive mammalian self who already knows how to give birth and knows that my human body ego is going to have hangups like this hurts or how long has it been or what if this is going on or or whatever, you know. And so my instinctual self, my meditative mind is reminding like my ego self. It's okay. You know how to do this. I got you. Just, you know, let the pain come, let it go. And so I'm, I wasn't consciously choosing those words. They were just pouring out of me sort of like moaning does or yelling does like all the other panting, like during sex, during birth, those things just come out of you, right? You don't have to decide what they're going to sound like. And so that's what those, the self-talk was too. So really I just, just dropped down. And I think it's a gift that I've done that a lot my whole life. I've been called kind of spacey my whole life. And so I've been practicing since I was a child, I think, kind of just floating away from the body and kind of letting that space guide you. Yeah. And I think that's the point of hypnosis. It's just to to get people there who aren't used to it, giving them a framework of how to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they've never, if they haven't been doing this. Since yes, were, because we're very yeah. busy and we're very practical and we're very, very grounded, yeah. you know, and ironically in birth, you have to be like the most grounded you've ever been. And also just let yourself like blast off to the edge of the universe. So you have to like let yourself stretch in between both places and just try to exist in both places at the same time. Yeah. Which is, you know, a bitch, <laughs> but we do it. And it, that's why birth is so magic. Yeah. So magic because I do want to acknowledge too, that there was a moment at the end of your birth that I witness all the time and natural childbirth. And again, the, I'm witnessing the births in the hospital setting in your home, but, but there was a moment where you had to reframe too, right? Like that really intense moment right at the end when you were like, Ooh, you know, that I don't, I don't know. I can't do this. I don't do this right. Like, you know, and it's when, when, um, like say Carrie and I hear this, we're like, oh yeah, here we go. You know, game on. Did you intuitively know when you got to that point where you were like saying out loud and really having to coach yourself stronger? Like, oh, I don't, did you intuitively know? Okay. This is the end. Well, I knew it was the end the whole time because my whole birth was basically pushing. Yeah. So at the beginning of the film, I'm kind of wandering around and then I go into the bathroom and I feel my water's leaking down my leg. And the, f- the film crew had just shown up maybe 15 <laughs> or 20 minutes before that. And my thought was, oh, shit, there is not going to be a movie. <laughs> this like... My bad, you guys. <laughs> Hope you can do a lot with quickly. 20 minutes of footage. <laughs> and so I was like, well, whatever. This is what... So I went to the place where I wanted to give birth, and I expected the baby to come within the next five or 10 minutes. And she just didn't, and she didn't. And it was 90 minutes of pushing. And that's, you know, even with my first birth, I maybe had half an hour of, like, not intense pushing. So it was very unusual for me. And I knew there was something off, I guess about that. 
and she was in what they call in the obstetrical world, deep transverse arrest, meaning her head was turned to the side and deflexed and she was just not moving through the pelvis despite the strong contractions. And so I was, you know, it was hard. It was like the end of transition moving to pushing for 90 minutes straight. And, you know, those of you with long labors, I accept the spack across the face for me saying that it was a long time, but for me, it really was. And it was painful because there was no movement, no change, no change. And so I was in that space where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done for a long time. But at the end of every contraction, I was like, I'm not done. It's okay. Like we could do another one. But the peak of every contraction, it was that transition point where you're like finished with this forever. Um, And I didn't know that was going to change until it really suddenly changed. And I could feel her head just like pound down into my pelvis. And you could see the adrenaline kick in in the film. Like I pop up and my eyes get kind of crazy. And I'm like, whoa, okay, well, and then I knew it was the end. And I think Um, which is right after you say something like, why is this so hard for me? And weeping a little. Which is, yeah, always right. the recognizable, like, okay, now we're really here. Now that she's willing to weep, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's universal, home, hospital, everywhere. Yeah. That's what I think is so beautiful about sharing the film in, like, in front of a live audience, because a lot of the people that come haven't had a home birth. Like, a lot of people haven't had a home birth. And and people always come up to me afterwards and pick out these little moments where it relates exactly to something they did in their birth or in their, even if they had a cesarean in their postpartum or in their early labor or something that I say to myself that's like speaks exactly to them and their experience. And I just find that so beautiful that it's not like you don't have to have, I'm not saying you should even have a birth like this. This is just what my birth was like, but it's just a human experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that just stood out to me in the film is that you didn't have any vaginal exams. You didn't. No, I did. They were by me. Oh, you were doing. I mean, I was feeling. I saw saw you looking down. I was like, I wonder what she's doing. I wasn't checking my cervix. I was checking her head because she wasn't, nothing was changing. I was expecting for her to be born because I was pushing. And so I felt, and I could just feel that her head was not coming out yet, um, and because yeah. this was a an operation of a, a business with a lot of different contracts and legal consulting and everything else, we weren't in a relationship of that nature mm-hmm. where there was a provider expectation to perform those things because it was not, you know, the, the focus of her desire, but also of the film. And so there was not a, a space for some of the things that you might typically expect. And, and I would have could, asked if I wanted her to, and I did, there was a point where I thought, should I ask Carrie to do something or to say something or something? Like, Well, we share some eyes then, that you can notice if you're looking I, for it, where we're like, I'm like, All right, mm, uh, she's asking me and she, not, is it okay? Or, you know, with her eyes and I'm like shaking my head, like, uh, nothing. But then I thought to myself, really, what would she do? She can't get the baby. She can't yank the baby out of there. What else is there to do? And you were in a beautiful body-led position, right? You were talking about how your back was hurting, which would indicate the baby's position. Mm -hmm. And you were naturally leaning forward over the bed. Every time, you know, you kind of stopped or walked, you would move in a forward leaning position. And then the remainder of the birth is next to the fireplace in your living room in a deep squat, almost kind of turned to the side, which I believe is, I'm assuming that that you didn't go, oh, I should lean to the right, but your body told you to lean to the right because of the way your baby's head was positioned Mm -hmm. because you allowed space to listen to what your body was telling you to do. Because if someone else was guiding you, they may have wanted you to squat in a centered position or squatted more left-leaning, but your body knew exactly what was comfortable-ish, you know, by being in a deep squat and tilted to the right, which allowed your baby's head to turn finally and come down and come out. So, And you can see in one scene, I'm pushing on uh, my 
like right above my pubic bone with my hand, which I didn't remember doing, which would make sense to kind of like give pressure to the baby to kind of like slide under the pubic bone. Yep. And then you birthed her. I finally did. And it was amazing. And I wanted to know how long you had many undisturbed minutes, uh, if not longer than that with the baby. And, uh, but in reality, how long was it before, um, you felt the placenta releasing and delivered your placenta? Oh goodness. I have no idea. Yeah, what do about you think? the same as what it looks like. I mean, oops. under 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was editing there or if it was about an accurate timeline. Yeah. There's overall a little, you know, bit of time alteration, but that's mostly accurate. So your placenta released on its own without Pitocin. As they do. Yep. There was minimal bleeding. Yeah. And, um, and then you lay on the couch and she finds her way without anyone's hands or prompting to her first very strong, you know, <laughs> latch. And um, there was just this beautiful moment with you guys on the couch. And still there was moments where you could see that your husband was kind of serving you, like making you a glass of water, bringing you things. But I believe that, you know, the purpose of your film is to show women that they can do it all by themselves. Yes, that they can. And they don't have to. Some people really like to have a lot of support and some people like to have medication or they like to have the safe feeling of the medical team at the hospital or whatever. Like people really should do what they want. But I think that it does us a disservice in our culture to assume that everybody needs that or wants that. I think that they should know that there's an option to do it a different way and that really barring any unusual health issue that your body does know how to do it. Like look around at the planet. There's a couple people here. It's <laughs> the birth process does work, right? Like, and the help is much better placed after. Yes. You, you can that's see. well seen in the film too. Like you need help walking and managing your bleeding where it is on the body yes. in the house. And you know, there's just a plenty of support that we're less comfortable as a culture offering instead of saving folks or scaring. Folks. Yes. And Carrie, you were there right away. And I had a question on what the cord was tied with. I saw you snip something and I was like, well, that doesn't look like a something I've seen in the hospital before. <laughs> we had done a blessing way, I think, where we used that cord maybe to go around between. I think it's one that your child made. And yes, my, my child, Eden, did a, a finger-knitted cord tie that we sterilized to use for the baby. It was so beautiful. I just saw this moment of something I hadn't seen before, and I just wanted to see what it was. And then another thing was, you know, right at the end, too, um, Carrie comes over and says, do you want the herbs or do you want the ibuprofen? And you're like, all of it, right? <laughs> like, right. Like the baby is out and we've had this. And now, uh, you know, I'm ready to, you know, have an, some intervention. Totally. And I, can we talk about what those herbs are that you may recommend post-birth along with ibuprofen? <laughs> yeah, that ibuprofen usually goes on board pretty quick. <laughs> right. We did CalMag, liquid CalMag every few hours. And I had tinctures of cramp bark. Um, ghost pipe, which is an unusual one, catnip. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe there was another one. So I took a dropper full of each of the tinctures and two tablespoons of liquid calcium magnesium and 600 ibuprofen every four hours for the first day or so. Well, not the ibuprofen. I took that like as, you know, on the bottle. I took that for the first day and then I took the herbs and the calcium magnesium for a few days for after pains because I get them pretty strong. They make me really uncomfortable. It's like going in, into labor again for the first couple of days. And I just really wanted to enjoy my postpartum and not be writhing while I nursed. Yeah. So I, you know, I asked a mother of 11 children, what does she do for after pains? Cause they usually get stronger with each child. And I brought a notebook and wrote down everything she said, and I did everything she said. And okay. we added ghost pipe because we know that's good for pain. 
And you also were really mindful of keeping your bladder empty and of pushing out clots right after the birth rather than a lot of fundal massage or anything mm-hmm. like that. You don't see the conversation about it in the film. You see her squat in the shower and mm-hmm. she's pushing clots out, but that's the the natural way to do that instead of someone doing it to you in that really painful mm-hmm. way. So she just continued you know, keeping her uterus empty and resting pretty radically in yes, the postpartum I had to a reduce radical that. rest. Yeah. I did, did nothing. Quite really, a lot like, of broth. All the things that you tell people to do for the postpartum, all the things that are in all the best postpartum books out there right now. You know, there's so many new postpartum books, you know, eat warming, liquid food, easy to digest. Don't get up, have a bunch of herbal tea, have people do stuff for you, be totally pampered. And I just went, like all in on that. Mm -hmm. And it was like the most magical time of my life. It was like, it was so worth it. I spent all the money and got a postpartum doula to come for eight hours every week and enlisted my family to do specific things. And it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the film ends. I mean, this is where I really started bawling because, well, I don't, maybe I shouldn't give it away. Nope, let's not give it away. <laughs> you have to watch the film, everybody. Mm-hmm. The if film, you want to cry. Yeah, the, the end of the film is going to make your heart melt, make you ball, grab some tissues. The finale is incredible. And everyone just is going to have to watch it. And they want to know what it is. We're just going to leave it at that. But there's a really, really cool moment at the end. And so I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing so much of this story because it's very important to me that I've grown a platform to talk about birth stories and that my own personal experience exists in a hospital setting. But I'm trying to open up to all of the ways in which we do give birth and can give birth So that anyone who's listening that's either pregnant or planning their pregnancy knows that home birth is an option, that home birth with a doula or with touch or support is an option, home birth undisturbed is an option. All of those things at a birth center or at a hospital are also options, but really getting to that point where you address your fears, and your trauma, and you build a relationship so that you are prepared for, you know, a beautiful birth. And so that's why I wanted to interview you guys today. Is there um, anything else on your heart that we can leave with our listeners? I have something. In speaking to this being the Birth Story podcast I just, I really want to impress upon people that our intent with this film is not to have a platform where we state that anyone should do anything. And really it's, our point is that a birth story is worthy of a full feature documentary. It's worthy of someone making a a unique score musicians spending their time right composing music to play over the film. It's worthy of a whole documentary crew flying across the country to film it. And it's worthy of being a piece of art simply because it's a birth. Yeah. And and that's the point of the film, really, is that this act that we do to bring life into the world is a piece of art and it is worthy of being its own story not just a punchline in a larger story the way it's usually shown, but Mm -hmm. it itself is the the hero's journey. Yep. I wish that I could have a composer play music over (laughs) all of the stories that I have um, moms and their partners share on this podcast. Well, before we go, I just have one more thing. So I usually ask people what their favorite baby product is, but I'm not doing that today. I was hoping that you would just tell me three things to three people. So 
if you could tell Carrie what you're most thankful for looking back on this documentary and your birth and your husband and your mom that were there in the middle of the night with you. And to get through all of those without weeping. Well, you can cry. I'll cry too. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Okay. So I'll start with my mom because I knew her first. Mom, you gave me such an incredible gift. You birthed me into the world with joy. You taught me that it's beautiful to be born. That's beautiful to grow a human. You taught me how to feed them with my body and not be ashamed of it. And you showed me that you trusted me to be an adult when you came to my birth and allowed me to step into my power and just silently watch me. Carrie, you taught me how to be a better midwife. Teach me how to talk to people, how to listen to them had to change, be humble, and then in the same moment be a badass. You kept me feeling safe, like I didn't have to worry about anything. I knew you were holding down everything. And you always do. And to Jason... Thanks for letting me take on the mantle of the powerful one in our family. Thank you for knowing how to sit quietly and help me and not take over the experience, not question what I'm doing, never make me feel like I'm too much or scary or unsafe or unfit or unwell when I do something that's atypical for always supporting me and for loving our baby so much. I have tears. <laughs> I do. Thank you. And I just wanted to say from me to you guys, thank you for this documentary and for sharing your story and for telling your story. Because after today, I'm changed forever. I have gone into every birth for 15 years, believing that I needed to coach, that I needed to touch, that I needed to support, and no one had ever opened my eyes to maybe that's not what the mom needed. And so my practice is forever going to be changed too. And for this, I thank you guys for being here. All of the ways to get in touch with you will be linked in the show notes. And I hope everyone gets the finale of your story by going to your website. These are my hours. And within just a couple clicks, buying your documentary and watching it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. <laughs>